y'all, and welcome back to Heaving Bosoms. This week, due to Aaron's corneal injury, we weren't able to record an episode. But avid listener and all-around good pal, Nikki Snyder from The Things She Does, didn't want to leave you completely in the lurch. So she offered to let us publish her interview with me instead. In the following, we chat about romance novels, feminism, my passions, my life, and that elusive notion of balance. Enjoy! Let's talk about the things she does. Hi, I'm Nikki Snyder, and welcome to The Thing She Does, a weekly podcast about women who are pursuing their passion and making it work. Each week, I talk to a woman who is pursuing her passion. We talk about how she got started, what her life looks like, how she makes it work, and what she purposely does not do in order to have time for her passion. Today is episode 43 with Melody Carlisle. Melody is a podcaster at Heaving Bosoms. I found her through another podcasting group that I'm in, and I was intrigued to try an episode. She and her co-host Erin are absolutely hysterical, and I just thought I need to chat with her. So she's on the show today. As usual, I'll be posting over on Instagram and Facebook about the show, so make sure you're following over there at The Thing She Does. Also, if you haven't had a chance yet, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or review. It is so helpful to the show. And when you're there, make sure you download one of Melody's episodes as well. Now, Melody is a romance novel podcaster, so we talk a lot about romance novels. And sometimes romance novels have adult content. So today's episode might be a better one to have the earbuds in and maybe not be listening in the car with the kids. All right, here's my chat with Melody. Welcome, Melody, to Things She Does. I am so excited to talk to you today because ever since I heard your podcast, I've wanted to be friends with you. So now I get to talk to you, and I'm so excited. <laughs> thank you. I cannot tell you how like honored I am to be here. So thank you so, so much. Yeah. Well, I feel like I need to give a bit of background. So okay. we're going to get into this in a minute, but Melody is a podcaster as well, and I found her through a podcasting group, and she posted about her episode. I was like, oh, sure, I'll check this one out, whatever. I'll support another female podcaster. And I listened and I decided I wanted to be friends with her and Erin and I've listened to every episode since then. So this is an honor for me to actually get to chat with you guys um, because I often have much to say when you guys are podcasting. But anyways, why don't we let you introduce yourself? Who are you and what are the different roles in your life right now? Oh, the different roles in my life. So I am a partner. My husband's name is Michael. I'm a mom. I have a two-year-old named Ember. And at the moment, I'm also a podcast host. Erin and I started the podcast back in um, October of 2017. And we've been talking about it for a couple of years, actually, just going back and forth. And she is um, a JAG lawyer for the Army. And she was just like, listen, Melody, I want to do this, but I cannot be responsible for making it happen, like at least at first. So it took me a while, but yeah, we got everything together. We decided that we wanted to do a romance novel podcast because it was something that we were both interested in. But it really started because she lives in Alaska and I live in New Jersey and we wanted an excuse to have to talk to each other weekly. We wanted to have something that connected us really tangibly so that we wouldn't drift apart. So I love that the podcast is about a lot of things, but at its core, it's really just about friendship. And what is the name of your podcast? Because I think Oh, fantastic. girl. <laughs> <laughs> the name of our podcast is Heaving Bosoms, a romance novel podcast. 
left. <laughs> and just so everybody can know, what is the structure and format of your show? All right. So each week, Erin and I read a romance novel, and then we walk you through the plot. We do a recap. Um, and then along the way, there's usually some silly tangents. We talk a lot about our feelings about things, whether they're icky, whether they're really awesome, whether they make us tingle in our bathing suit parts. We just, we really break down everything. So that's the general format. Oh, and then every episode always ends with a lady love recommendation from each of us or a self-love recommendation, because we think that self-care is incredibly important. And, you know, reading is, is one of the things we do as a, as a method of self-care. So it's a feminist romance novel podcast. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. I love love that you guys say that you snicker and snort your way through the book because (laughs) I have admitted on this show before that, you know, I do read the occasional romance novel and it's one of those things where I feel like I have to cover my head in shame to say it because they're so ridiculous. Like they are just ridiculous sometimes. And what ends up happening is I read one or two and I'm like, these people are stupid. You don't get married after two days. But then there's other parts where I will admit I love the romance and the story. And I find you guys are so good at calling out the stupid parts and being like, why are they doing this? <laughs> but then also just loving on the fact that it there is often under it all a beautiful love story and shenanigans along the way. So I just love it. Well, yeah. One of the things that I think is really important to remember about the genre as a whole is just that it's just as diverse as the women who write it. Like it's just as diverse as every woman is. So you do absolutely have the books that are like, I'm sorry, it's been three days. Get out of here. You should not be getting married. You should not be introducing them to your children, right? Like we've Mm -hmm. definitely had those episodes. But we've also had the episodes where the heroines, even in a time where women are are traditionally thought of as very um, subservient, or, you know, the, the society is really stratified so that women are supposed to be below men, they're feisty and they're serious and they have serious work jobs that they love. And, <laughs> you know, they've got the um, they've got the plucky spirit that I think a lot of women really gravitate towards. And more than anything, Sarah McLean, one of my favorite authors, she's a historical romance author and She was doing this interview on a podcast called, I think it's called Women Killing It, which is a really fun little little pod. And she said that at the core, romance is an adventure story that has the audacity, basically, of being centered on a woman. Men get all of these adventure stories without any kind of apologies, you know? But the moment that you center it on a woman, things are like, all of a sudden, it's less than... So that's what I love because yes, there is a format. There's going to be a happy ending. There's a there's a pact that you make with the that authors make with their readers. And if you don't give me that goddamn happy ending, I'm gonna be pissed because that's what we signed up for. However, <laughs> at the core of it is it really is just an adventure story that centers on a woman. And it has the the bravery to deal with emotions and portray women as full whole beings instead of just an accessory to a man's story and that's what I love about romance novels and really men get the same thing because I remember reading through a military series by um, W.E.B. Griffin I think it was I don't Mm. know he had like six books in the series and I mean every now and then I like books like that too but I realized in about third book I'm like 
this is man's fantasy because this guy is from this rich family, but he serves in the military and, oh, he gets to break the rules here and there and he has this affair and, oh, they're going off to Argentina where, oh, look, his best friend also inherited millions of dollars, you know? And I'm Uh just like, wait a minute. I'm like... And that, hold on, that we look at as literature and not a subgenre. You know what I mean? I mean, I looked, I don't know if I call it literature so much as just a military adventure book, but you're right. It's, it's, it's how we perceive it. And yet romance gets this, I even admitted it a few episodes back that I read romance and it was like this, like crushing, like, oh my gosh, I'm so humiliated to, like, I am an educated, empowered woman. Why am I reading this? I almost want to call it crap, but it's not crap because it's entertaining and it's fun. Well, and not to mention that so much of it is so well-written that I, I don't know. I was definitely, I definitely have gone through my, my own metamorphosis on this subject. Because when I was a teenager, I'm filled with shame to the remember, to remember the amount of times that I, I internalized all of this societal misogyny. And I was like, well, no, I'm a girl, but I'm not that kind of girl. I don't like rom-coms and I can sit down and watch a sports ball game with any of them. And like, I ride horses and I do all the active things. You know what I mean? And it was all to apologize for being a woman and not wanting to admit that I like the things that I like. And so just a couple of years ago, I was reading Outlander. Um, my friend Sarah got me into Outlander because her mom got her into it. That's the other thing. Romance is passed down by generations. It connects women. Sarah got me into it. And my husband, my partner was like, so uh, what are you reading? Are you reading your Are you reading your sex book or something like that? And I was like, it's historical fiction. <laughs> I got really up and arms about it. And Outlander is this sweeping, beautiful, romantic story. And it's a, it's a saga that now spans, I think, eight books going on nine. We're desperately waiting for the next one. But at its core, a lot of romance is historical fiction, if you're into that genre. The amount of research that these authors do to give you a good look at what life was actually like in medieval England or Regency England or wherever it is, like they're not slouching on the research front. So in college, I was a, a women's studies minor and a, um, a communication studies major. And one of the most interesting things that I found as far as sort of the evolution of academia is that now people are allowing more than just stodgy white male voices into the scene. So looking at the same historical event, for example, you know, the, the academic quote unquote way of writing is detached and it's, it's supposed to take all of the humanity out of the event. Whereas you look at memoirs that are written by women in those times or men written by, you know, things are written by men in those times, you get to see the humanity of the event. And I think that's also part of it is that we're supposed to think that humanity is a weakness. You know, our, our general emotions, our, our ways of thinking about things are supposed to be overcome, whereas romance has the bravery of looking at everything and saying, no, this absolutely has merit because it impacts every decision we make. It impacts every step we take. It's just important to also consider, I think. 
<laughs> well, and as we were talking offline before, people will watch The Bachelorette. They'll watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians. They'll watch The Real Housewives of wherever. Yeah. That's trashy. I'm sorry. It's all trashy. And I, I watch The Bachelorette, so I'm looking at myself on that. But why is it we can look at that and say, oh, yeah, it's just women being women. But you read a romance novel and you're like, oh, gosh, let me make sure I have my you e-reader with me. I actually have a thought on this because I am I have become a reluctant follower of Bachelor Nation myself um, <laughs> in the past, I think, three years. And it was again, it was one of those things where I'm, I think there was a kernel of I'm not that kind of lady, you know, mm-hmm. and that's such bullshit. But the thing about The Bachelor is that it basically goes against every single thing that like middle America thinks it stands for. And yet middle America eats it up. Oh, oh, with a spoon. And like, just because they call it a fantasy suite, and just because you can have plausible deniability that like no genitals are touching, doesn't mean that the bachelor or the bachelorette doesn't bang their way through three different people in a matter of six days to like test them out before they decide who they want to choose. Like, that's a thing that's happening, or at least has the potential to happen. Whereas romance is very unapologetic about being like, this is what a woman's pleasure can look like. This is what a connection can look like. A lot of people are like, oh, it's it's just softcore porn. And I'm like, no, don't get me wrong. Some of it is hardcore porn. It's just, you have to use your imagination like to, to really get into it. You know, there's no images or anything. Some of it's softcore, some of it's hardcore, some of it's real out there. And that's, all of it is welcome to my table. But it also, it, it puts, more layers than just sex in there. Because remember, women can be objects, but they should never be subject. So a woman can be naked on a billboard and that's friggin' fine with everybody. But the moment that the the woman is contextualized with agency and decides that she wants her nipple licked, or she decides that she wants to go to bed with this person. She decides that she's done with them until they fall on their knees in front of her and make up for the stupid thing that they did two chapters ago. That is what people have a problem with down in their core. Yeah, because it's a woman saying, no, this is how it is. And And I don't think people know it, you know what I mean? But that's my theory, at least. Yeah, it's kind of that underlying people think it, they don't necessarily know why they think it kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have to laugh about The Bachelorette because my favorite podcast, I actually don't watch The Bachelorette until like the final episode and then I have a party, but I listen to their recaps because it's so much better. But they call it the sex audition. They don't even call it the fantasy suite. They're like, oh, yeah, it's a sex audition episode. And I'm like, thank you for calling it as it is. And it's just hilarious. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite podcasts, I think they call it, they call it the bone zone. They're going to the bone zone. (laughs) Well, let's get to my second official question of the podcast. (laughs) No, it's fine. (laughs) What would you say you're passionate about? Well, if you couldn't tell already, (laughs) some of the things I'm most passionate about I think all have to do with what we've just been talking about. One of the things is is just women's empowerment in general, but I've become much more in tune with empowering women to be open and honest and unapologetic about their wants and needs and desires and aspirations. If that includes reading at least four romance novels a month or a romance novel a day, then get it, girl. (laughs) But just being unapologetic about what we like, because 
oh man, I just read this amazing article. It was posted in our um, friendship cults, our Facebook group. Which maybe and you should that, define what that is because people might wonder. I, that sounds creepy. Totally yes. sounds creepy. So we have a running joke on the podcast that Erin um, and I wouldn't be able to run a cult on our own because we don't have the skills, but together <laughs> we could run the perfect cult. Um, <laughs> so we jokingly um, called our friend, our, our Facebook group, it's a closed group, and it's the Heaving Bosoms podcast, Geriatric Friendship Cult, because our idea is that everybody's going to golden girls together, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, so one of our listeners posted this amazing article, and the, the title, it's in the Washington Post, the title is something like, my book isn't a guilty pleasure because I'm a woman, basically. Um, it's by Dana Schwartz, and she actually wrote this memoir called Choose Your Own Disaster. And her whole point is like, what I'm writing for you is has literary merit, but when she's going out and publicizing her book, her memoir, her her the product of her tears and and, and efforts and blood, people often relegate it to the guilty pleasure zone simply because she's a woman. And there's a lot of that that goes around, especially in the romance community. So there was just a couple of months ago, this author came out. He had never actually read a novel. And he was saying that it it didn't have literary merit and it wasn't worthwhile because he cannot fathom a romance novel being written with any kind of um, the the talent and the skill that a regular book would have. And, and regular meaning written by a man. There's a lot of that that happens in this genre, particularly, even though it's the highest grossing, grossing subgenre in the literary world and has been for a lot of years. But in addition to that, I'm also really passionate about sex education. I was a teacher for about a year and I have um, years of training before that as well. But um, sex, edu sex education, I think, is so important because we need to know not just the medical, what are the risks? Because I think right now, even comprehensive sex education is very fear-based. And when you're talking to children and teenagers, I get it. There needs to be a component of that, right? But one of the things that makes romance revolutionary and has changed, actually changed the lives of a lot of women is that especially growing up reading these as like teenagers, all of a sudden women's pleasure is par for the course. It's something that becomes normalized when they're, when they're, you know, reading about sexual experiences. So sex education, keeping yourself safe, um, pleasure education, I think is just as important for everybody out there because not enough women are having orgasms, frankly. And yeah, not calling it a guilty pleasure just because it's something that you like and you're a woman. So now what would you say is the dividing line? Because I know the term chick lit is tossed around and there's a lot well, of um, more... I guess mainstream would be the word to use mm. novels, which I mean, don't have the ripped bodices on the front, but some of those are about a female, you know, heroine or whatever. So what is the difference between those and romance and why are those considered more acceptable? Do you think? Well, um, I think one of the bright lines is that when it is considered a romance novel, you get the happily ever after the, the HEA as it's called in the community. I think that's, um, that's really the bright line there's a there's definitely a formula to a romance novel. It is definitely a formulaic genre. Whereas other forms of literature, even written by women, 
you might not know what you're going to get. So if it's just a work of fiction by a woman, it can go anywhere. And with a romance novel, no matter if it's male-female or male-male, female-female, if it's polyamorous, if it's BDSM, if it's whatever, the people that you are asked to like and who gain your trust generally end up together in the end. And really, as we were talking before in that comparison, if you look at a spy novel or whatever, which Mm. is more towards a male audience, those all have their own version of Happily Ever After too. And they are just as formulaic. (laughs) (laughs) So when you first got started, you know, let's go with the podcast, because I think you've been pursuing this idea of women's empowerment for a long time. But the podcast, I think Mm. we can talk more specifically about what were some of the obstacles that you faced in getting it started? Gosh, the biggest one was just my own battling my own sense of imposter syndrome. And the the technical, yeah, just the technical element. Um, it seemed like the, the threshold is really high. You know what I mean? It's everybody in their goldfish has a podcast these days. So it's not that high, but I'm particularly tech uh, sad. So <laughs> just just trying to understand the different equipment and figuring out what I needed. And, and because Aaron and I are 3,000 miles apart, at least, figuring out how to record both of us at the same time and then put that out to an audience in a way that is pleasing to the ears. So yeah, figuring out the technical stuff was really the biggest part. So for women, we are often tossed this elusive word of balance, and I've said it many times before, I don't (laughs) think balance actually exists, but I have realized that people have varying definitions of what balance is. And so I'm wondering Mm. what balance looks like to you in your life right now. Gosh, that's actually a tough question because you're actually catching me in a moment of kind of rebirth for me. So I'm still figuring it out. I had a a full-time job that I was fine with, but wasn't, you know, it was just, it was a job for about seven years. And then work situations changed. They needed me to change offices. And when I couldn't, we parted ways amicably. Um, but because of that, it's been nice because I've been able to spend more time on the podcast, but I'm still sort of figuring out what balance looks like for me. Cause I'm, I'm only about six months out of that change at the moment though, my priority and my overall focus is Ember. I'm I'm home with him pretty much all the time. And so I'm I'm his primary caretaker because my husband is he owns a comic book shop in town. So he works in the shop most days. And right now I don't so much have a sense of balance as I have a sense of uncompromising priority. I don't want to take away from the time that he's having and our growth as like a family unit. So a lot of times balance looks like sneaking moments when I know that he's engrossed in a certain toy or a certain activity where I just pop the the book up on my Kindle because we read a book a week at least. Um, a lot of times I read four or five books a week. But um, a lot of that is just me picking up my phone and catching moments to read the book throughout the week. And, and then nap time is pretty crucial. He's got a, he's got a really good afternoon nap schedule. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. But when it's family time, it's family time. And I, I try not to mess with that as much as possible. So what does a typical day look like for you right now? Well, my partner's really friggin' awesome. So we actually 
trade off days um, getting up early, <laughs> or at least we try to. A lot of times I'm just like, I'm up anyway, so just sleep because you have to go deal with actual people in the public and I do not. Yeah, I wake up with Ember a lot of times. Um, we spend a lovely morning. Um, we do breakfast. We do, you know, the playtime. We do, I usually, it's nice out now. So I try to take them outside in the mornings and in the afternoons. I have a garden that I love, uh, both in the backyard and uh, a flower garden in the front. So we usually spend about a half hour to an hour every morning watering the plants and picking whatever fruits or vegetables that are coming out of the garden. And then when Michael wakes up, we have some family time while he's like packing up his lunch and doing all of that. And he goes off to work generally um, mid-morning. And then Ember and I just hang out. We do lunch, we play. I am trying to instill in him a sense of independent play. I don't like to always be on the ground with him. I don't think that I should be responsible for his entertainment at all. <laughs> yep. So um, a lot of times I'll answer emails during that time or or I'll, I'll sneak some time editing or I'll sneak some time reading or whatever, because I, I really think it's important for me to say, if you're bored, then please, you know, figure out something else to do. What would you like to do? The, the house is your oyster, friend. <laughs> let's, let's make it happen. Um, he's only 26 months old, so it's not really like he's just two. So uh, sometimes that's impossible because he just needs mom in his face. But I think that it's really important to instill a sense of healthy independence in him, not only in regards to himself, but also in regards to his parents. Setting boundaries like that is really important for me. And then um, he takes his afternoon nap. I usually sit up with him in his room while he's dozing and then I put him down in his crib and then I try to get something done, usually. A lot of times I'll, I'll use that time to edit. I'll use that time to, you know, write the descriptions or read the book that I need to read for the upcoming week. Um, I use that time to connect on social media with our listeners or send emails regarding the podcast, all of that. And then he wakes up from his nap. I try to do afternoon time at the water park because we're about uh, a block away from our city park. And it's really, really awesome. He loves it. And dinner time, Michael, a lot of times, he's a he's a better cook than I am. So if he's home, we either cook together or he cooks. <laughs> and if not, um, I generally just forage and, and feed Ember some kind of meal. And then um, I put Ember to, well, Michael generally does bath time. I do bedtime. And then I hang out with him as much as I can um, because you know we don't we don't always get to see a ton of each other so I try not to compromise on on evening partner time what advice would you give to a woman who is also interested in starting a podcast do it just it. do it don't get caught up I, I was really caught up in like why would anybody want to listen to what I have to say like who the hell am I especially in the romance community there are so many people well, at the time when we first started the podcast, there actually weren't a whole lot of romance novel podcasts, and the ones that were were very interview based. So Aaron and I were stoked. We were like, "This is great. There's nobody that wants to do what we're doing, and what we're doing is really the easiest like thing for our lives. Going out there and trying to prove to authors why they should want to do an interview with me just seemed like a terrible idea. So um, 
yeah, there was that imposter syndrome that was like, I don't, I am not a romance novel scholar. I am just a lady who likes to read. And I'm a lady who loves my friends. And I'm a lady that's just generally exuberant. But that, I don't know what the hell that qualifies me for. You know what I mean? But as I've learned, people are amazing. Like, the response that we've gotten and the the amount of support from you know, strangers, they, they are at the end of the day, strangers, but through the cult, through our Instagram, through all of our social media, these people have actually started to become friends. And that's really amazing. So my biggest thing is, if you have a voice, then you are worthwhile. And you can do it. People will, people will want to listen. And if you don't, if they don't, if you don't immediately get the response that you think that you should have or that, you know, justifies your time in your mind, Aaron and I were really, we were really clear with each other going in. We were like, we definitely want this to be a cool thing. But if it's just you and I recording our conversations and putting them out into the ether, we're still having those awesome bonding conversations. And that's really what makes it worth it. So yeah, if you just don't, don't second guess yourself, you will learn along the way, you will make mistakes, and you will immediately pivot. And you're a capable being that has something to say, do it. I love it. And I agree with it all so much. And, (laughs) you know, it's, I've had a few moments of, gosh, I didn't hit my goal for downloads or this or that. But then at the end of the day, I'm like, I get to talk to amazing, incredibly cool women. And if I didn't have this podcast, you can't just email someone and be like, hi, I think you're really cool. Can I talk to you? Because they're like, you're weird. Go away. Totally. But if you email them and say, hey, I have a podcast where I interview women. Do you want to come on the show? They're like, oh, sure. No problem. And I'm like, okay. And I all of a sudden have my foot in the door to talk to incredible women who Mm -hmm. some of them have huge platforms and, you know, are well-known and others are, you know, quote unquote, everyday women, but are just fascinating. And so I'm kind of like, you know what, so long as I can make this work, that right there makes it worth it for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just the energy that you get from the connections that can be forged Mm -hmm. is goddamn revolutionary. So with being a busy mama, you're running this podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, I've heard from a few of your episodes, you kind of help out a little bit with your husband's shop and some various things there too. Yeah. Yeah. What are some of the things that you specifically do not do in order to have time for all the rest of this? I do not keep a tidy house. Every once in a while, probably once a quarter or so, I think to myself, I can be one of those people that has a cleaning schedule and will (laughs) bop every Wednesday and will, (laughs) I can be that person. And then about a week in, I realize that unless I get a complete personality transplant, it's just not going to happen. So lately I've been trying to forgive myself a little bit more for what I used, well, what could be definitely construed as like, a flaw. <laughs> um, you know, we, we keep the place tidy. Well, we keep the place clean, but I'm never going to have, there's always going to be clothes on my bedroom floor. Sorry, not sorry. There's always going to be a moment where I'm not sure whether or not I washed that particular jumpsuit of embers. Sorry, not sorry. Like, I just can't. And I also, 
I have a really supportive family. My, my husband's um, family is about 45 minutes away and they're incredible. My father-in-law is retired. So actually right now, as we're doing this podcast, um, he's with Ember because once a week he comes at about noon and he leaves at about six and it is phenomenal. <laughs> it's great because Ember is getting that time with his grandfather. His grandfather is getting, you know, Ember time. Um, we're raising Ember to be bilingual because their whole family speaks Mandarin. And so, yeah, Ember gets six hours where Yeye just speaks Chinese to him all day. And I get some time to do things that I should be doing. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm never, I'm never going to be the Martha Stewart mom. I'm never going to throw a Pinterest-worthy party. And I'm never going to want to. So... Yeah, those are things that I don't do. Like when people, Ember just turned two. And I had a couple of friends who were like, what's the theme? And I was like, did I not, did I, do I need to repeat myself? The theme is Ember's turning two. Amen, <laughs> sister. I can't. <laughs> I yeah. just can't. Yeah. So um, those are some things I don't do. I'm never, I'm never going to be the picture perfect mama or woman or person. And I'm starting to be so cool with that. <laughs> and you should. And, you know, for me, my – I love having gatherings and people over. Same. There will never be decorations on the table. The food will never be Pinterest photo worthy. It'll taste damn good. But it's yes. never going to be photo worthy. And I really don't like children's birthday parties. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. I just find them really? painful. And for those mamas out there, let me be very clear. If you do a themed birthday party, you do oh. you. And it's freaking amazing. And I love oh, looking I at it. I have all the respect for you. Oh, I yeah. just cannot aspire to be you. Right. And <laughs> so can't. for me, you know, for my son's birthday party, I'm like, I no, I just can't. And so what we did is we had about four families over who are good family friends. Their kids are my son's age. Mm -hmm. It's totally his friends, but it's also our friends too. Yeah. And I went to the dollar store and I got those water pistons and we put out five gallon buckets of water and we said, have at it. There's a water fight. Yes. That's the theme, if you will, of the birthday party. And we grilled and you know what? There was lemonade for the kids and there was wonderful local raspberry vodka to put in it for the grownups. And that's correct. That's my kind of kids party. Yep. So that's you know, exactly the kind of kids party I throw. Actually, so Michael's really funny because a lot of times where Michael and I are almost polar opposite. I mean, really, like if you if you look at the Myers-Briggs test, we are absolutely polar opposites. Everything about us is different. So a lot of times, you know, I'm like, Ember's turning two. And Michael's like, well, you know, I saw this really cheap Moana pack on Amazon. You want me to just get that? And I was like, I mean, sure, that's fine. Like, that'll get us the, the plates and napkins. So now I don't have to go to the store for that. Like, definitely. And so, you know, Ember's birthday ended up being quasi Moana themed because there were like streamers that came in this thing. And Michael was like, you know, he he loves he loves online shopping and it's really, really handy. Um, so he got some like, you know, things for the to go bag and all that kind of thing. And that's the other thing that I I think I just can't do anymore. I'm just never I just don't want to feel pressured to do things because I should, because I'm a lady. Like I, I was, it was awesome that Michael was like, why don't we just do this easy Moana thing? And I was like, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But I'm never going to think of it. And I would rather think about the chili I'm going to make 
or, you know, the booze that I'm going to serve for the adults <laughs> or like whatever else. Yeah. Yeah. Here's my trick for kids' birthday parties. Mm-hmm. I, I don't do the grab bag because I'm like, really, it's cheap crap and it's more crap yeah. in the house. But yeah. you go to the dollar store. Again, I love the dollar store for parties uh-huh. here. A helium balloon for each kid. It costs a buck. They play with it for a month Ooh. and then it just goes away and they think it's fantastic. Easy That's peasy. Amazing. Kids mm-hmm. love balloons. You're they a genius. love them. So every year, if you come to my children's birthday party, you will get a helium balloon. And that's just the way we roll. I love it. How do you take care of yourself? That is something that honestly I uh, I go back and forth on as well. I've been pretty open on the podcast that I've been figuring out some some anxiety and depression issues over the past well years. So one of the biggest ways that I take care of myself is weekly counseling. I love my I love the the hour that I get to go. Even if it's not a deep session, if it's just a a session where I I literally talk about the logistics of my past week, there's something really freeing and I don't know, just it's, it's just this really important unburdening for me and having a dedicated space that is just for me. It's an hour where I don't have to think about what Michael is doing or what Ember needs or how I'm impacting other people in the room. It is just this selfish, gorgeous hour where I get to figure out what the hell is happening in my life and my brain and my heart and my future. So counseling is one of the biggest ways. When I'm having a a good uh, week or day or whatever, I try as much as possible to stick with a good gym routine because that is something that hugely impacts my mental health. Even if it's just me going and walking on the treadmill or... If it's a, a day where I'm actually feeling really motivated and I want to I wanna do some kettlebell swings or some walking lunges or whatever, I've noticed that um, a big mental health buoy for me is feeling strong and feeling active. It helps that my gym has a playroom for a, a set amount of hours. So if you can find a gym with a playroom, guys, it is <laughs> talk about a life hack. Yeah, going to the gym is really important for me. And other than that, I think, you know, the podcast has been really incredible. We came about the podcast. I finally got my nonsense together when Ember was about 18 months old. Actually, the podcast was born when Ember was taking a two-week trip to Taiwan with his grandparents. So I used all of my manic, anxious energy to birth a podcast (laughs) while I didn't have my spawn with me. And um, the podcast has been really good because there was a shift when I became a mom. And I think it's a, I think it's an important shift to go through. And it's something that is very natural and, and good. But I remember there was a night, we, we had taken day trips away from Ember and, and all of that before that. But um, we first, we took our first overnight trip, like 36 hours away from Ember when he was about six months old. And I was still breastfeeding, so I had pumped a bunch, and everything was set, and it was fine. But about 12 hours into the trip, I started getting really melancholy. And Michael was like, are you okay? Like, what's going on? And I had this moment, like this almost existential crisis, where I was like, I don't know if I know who I am without Ember. And it's there was, the, you know, at that point, there was this really, really close physical connection because he was still breastfeeding. And 
you know, luckily at that point I worked from home. So even when I was working full time, I was always right by him. And after that, I had to do some identity work because I've never, I've always wanted to be a mom. I've always wanted to be a mom, but I never wanted to feel like just a mom, if that makes sense. Not that it's any, not that it's even like a bad thing, but you know, empty nester syndrome is a thing because at least the the very close portion of parenthood has an expiration date. So the podcast has been really awesome because I got to, I have this outlet where suddenly I remembered that I am a woman and I am funny and I am sexual and I have a lot of opinions and I I want to connect with other people, other women, whether it's through the authors that we read or, you know, through chatting with listeners on the podcast, it was, it was really, really important for me to remember that I, I have a lot of love to give via being a mom, but I also have other kinds of love I can give that I can't give to Ember. And that's an important part of just my being as a whole. Yeah. Well, in that term, just a mom, you know, we, we look at it like, oh, you're just a mom. You're just a stay at home. I hate that. I I hate it too. Because the thing is, even if you are a full-time stay at home mom, you are Mm -hmm. still not just a mom because you are still a woman. You are a woman before you have children. You will be a woman after they leave the house. And Mm -hmm. if you do not acknowledge that and invest in that and maintain an identity outside of whose mother, whose spouse are you, it's just... I think it's going to be detrimental because I think yeah. every woman it's really and that's diminishing. It is. And that's what this yeah. podcast is about is that every woman needs mm-hmm. to have something, needs to have a passion, needs to have something that maintains her identity outside of her relationship to the, her immediate family. Completely. Because as I said, you were a woman before you had kids. You are a woman after you have kids and there is no shame and there's nothing wrong with it. And I strongly believe that it makes you a better mother if you can still embrace that and be that whole person. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I get off of a a recording session where I have snorted 17 times with Aaron and talked about the most delicious portions of a book and the, the emotional journey that these, these characters have gone on. And then all I want to do is just snuggle right into his little neck. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, it, it's so reinvigorating to have an outlet that is outside of your everyday. And that's, that's one thing that the podcast has given me. Besides your family, what would you say you're most proud of? There have been a lot of circumstances in my life that have really taught me resilience and, you know, picking myself up from nothing and figuring out what's next. So I think in addition to the podcast, I think I'm most proud of my resiliency and the ways that my network has helped me foster that the way that my family has helped me foster that. And actually, I'm also really proud of the fact that I'm finally getting to a point in my life where I just have refused to stop apologizing about certain things. And that's one of the that's been the most important part of the podcast for me, actually, is going back to this idea that like, it's not a guilty pleasure because I like it and I have a vagina. That's not that's not what it is. You know what I mean? Being able to go on these secondhand journeys 
it's it's a really it can be a really educational experience if you have the right books and the right mindset. You know, it might be fiction, absolutely. I'm not saying that it's it's anything but fiction, but I think it's really important for women especially and, and a lot of times young women to be able to have this safe environment where they get to see kind of a relationship case study and say, wow, I really didn't like the way he reacted there. Or why is she, why is she, why does she like that? You know, like when you read a, a sexual experience on the page and something goes off in your brain, like your lizard part of your brain, you're like, Ooh, I like that. Why do I like that? Am I okay with the fact that I like that? Do I want that to happen to me in person? I don't know. So not apologizing for the fact that I read sex books all the time. <laughs> like I do. And it's, not always about that, but a lot of times it absolutely is about that. And yeah, just not not apologizing for the fact that I am a I'm a sexual being, I am an independent being, and I'm a person with a lot of things to say. So this show is all about women pursuing their passion and making it work. Yeah. And you can have any answer you want for this. How are you making it work right now? Sometimes by the skin of my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of times, because I do most of the, I do all of the editing, I do, um, you know, a lot of the technical stuff behind the podcast. So there are definitely times when um, I'm waking up early on a Monday morning, we release on Monday mornings, just to quickly finish up the podcast and get it released. Like, there are there are times when I am down to the wire because of the rest of my life, because of the choices that I made that past week, what I didn't want to compromise on that wasn't the podcast. I'm making it work by deciding to a lot of times. <laughs> That's just that has to be the first step. And then remembering what I'm doing it for and the people I'm doing it with. Well, let's do top six. And this might be a hard one for you to answer, but what is your favorite book right now? Ah, okay. Um, well, if you listen to the podcast, you know that I'm terrible at favorites in general, but I'm going to, I'm going to try. Um, I actually want to give you a non-romance book because, you know, you can find out the books that I'm really digging lately by listening to my podcast. <laughs> But one of my favorite non-romance books at the moment is actually this incredibly beautiful memoir by Crystal Siddle, um, or Sital, I'm actually not sure. She, it's called The Secrets We Kept, and she's actually local to me. I met her a while ago. We became like Facebook acquaintances, and then she had her passion project, this memoir that she'd been working on for the past, I don't know, decade, published, and it is absolutely beautiful. One of my favorite things to read outside of romance is memoirs by women, because I think it's just another really amazing look at the rich tapestry that is ladies. But it's all about her family, um, who's from Trinidad. It's about three generations of women in her family, her grandmother, her mother and herself. And it starts after her grandfather dies. And she starts to, all of a sudden, there's this freedom within the household to be honest and kind of pull back the curtain on what living with that particular patriarch was like. And it's all about just intergenerational bonding. And it's completely beautiful. The way that she puts words together is just devastatingly awesome. So yeah, the secrets we kept. 
And what's your favorite show to watch on TV? Oh God, I love TV. Um, <laughs> that's actually like one of my hobbies with Michael. So I have a lot, but a, a show that I just watching, I love watching by myself is the marvelous Mrs. Maisel oh, so on Amazon. Good. Oh my God. It's so good. Right. Yeah. The marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I love Jane the Virgin so much because, um, it's basically a telenovela about an aspiring romance novelist <laughs> and it's just so good. And then I also like any British, any dark British crime show you can put in front of my face. I will love it. And what is your favorite app on your phone? Probably two apps. Kindle is my favorite because it, um, it allows me to do the work I need to do with the podcast without compromising on family or ember time. And it allows me to read in public without people knowing I'm reading, which is really nice. And then honestly, Facebook, ever since we started this group, this GD cult is so fun. And the ladies are so awesome. And the discussions are so a lot of times they're they're really silly. Other times they're just like really deep. So Facebook, I barely use for personal reasons anymore. I just really like talking to the listeners. And yeah, that's the, that's the easiest way to do it. <laughs> What's yeah. your favorite life hack right now? Amazon Alexa. Oh, my God. We tried for years to keep a cohesive grocery list. Years. I mean, we had, we tried doing those apps that sync up. We tried doing all the things. But if I can't just shout at a robot in my kitchen, there's no way I'm going to be able to remember the cinnamon. It's just not going to happen. So yeah, Amazon Alexa. <laughs> Who's your favorite person to follow on social media? Honestly, three romance artists have uh, romance artists romance authors have really risen to the top as far as social media is concerned it's at, least, at least twitter courtney milan is an amazing person to follow because before she was a romance novel she was a supreme court clerk and like just a generally badass law lady so her takes on whatever is happening politically and her hot takes on twitter i'm talking 160 characters are just incredible Sarah McLean is a really good Twitter person as well. Uh, she is really open about her politics and her, you know, belief in things, but she's also one of the best champions for good writing, romance or otherwise. Tessa Dare is another fun Twitter person. And then on Instagram, I really love Olivia Wilde. She's just so fun. And a lot of her... A lot of her stuff is like the latest directorial project she's doing or her mop haired three-year-old. Like she's just wonderful. So probably those people. And what are the favorite podcasts that you like to listen to? Probably top podcast is last podcast on the left, because in addition to romance sex books, I really love true crime and the macabre and a lot of things dark. And I love comedy. And those dudes, Henry Zabrowski, Marcus Parks, and Ben Kissel, really just knock it out of the park with um, combining true crime and all of the horrifying things while also making it really light and accessible. So they're really fun. I also love My Favorite Murder. I do love those, those cats a lot. And then I have a couple of romance podcasts that I think people should check out. The first is the Wicked Wallflowers Club. They um, they do interviews with authors. They're both also aspiring 
romance writers. One of them just got a book agent, which is really exciting. And the other one actually had a memoir published all about her uh, career as a, a dom, a dominatrix in L.A., So yeah, she has this really amazing, and so it's really fun because her social media goes between like her and like leather or, or, or latex jumpsuits or, or, and then it oscillates between that and then her two kids. (laughs) It's really fun. (laughs) Well, Melody, it has been so much fun getting to talk to you again after listening to you for so long. It's fun (laughs) to uh, be able to throw in my two cents and, and chat back and forth. So thank you so much for taking the time to come on here today. Oh my God. My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. (laughs) So if people are now intrigued by you and they want to hear your opinions on all the happily ever afters, where Mm -hmm. can we find you? Ooh. Okay. So the podcast uh, is on, is on basically any podcatcher you want, but that's called heaving bosoms on Instagram. It's at heaving bosoms. Twitter is at heaving underscore bosoms. Facebook is Heaving Bosoms podcast, or we have our closed group, the Heaving Bosoms Geriatric Friendship Cult. And then um, our website is heavingbosomspodcast.com. And then I, I have a personal Instagram if you're interested in seeing mostly pictures of Ember, because apparently I'm that breeder now. That is um, at Splendidly M. Well, we will have all of that in the show notes so people can go check that out at www.thethingshedoes.com. And Melody, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. Melody is hilarious, and it was so much fun to talk to her. After listening to her podcast so many times, it was so much fun just being able to chat back and forth with Melody. She is hilarious, and I love her take on women's romance novels and how she really views it through a feminist lens. We don't really think about feminism and romance novels going hand in hand, but she really puts the two together. Make sure you're checking out her show, Heaving Bosoms. It is seriously hysterical, and they really do snicker and snort their way through these books. If you're not already, make sure you're following the show at the thing she does on Instagram and Facebook and I'm also over on Pinterest and if you haven't yet hit subscribe so that new episodes are downloaded for you automatically next week I'm going to be talking with Shanisha Boswell who's the founder of Black Moms Blog so make sure you come back and check that one out all right you guys have an awesome week chat to you later if you liked what you just heard head over to your favorite podcatcher and subscribe to the thing she does Nikki has a wonderful variety of guests each week who are all pursuing their passions and making it work. I find it really inspiring and I always come away with ideas to apply to my own life. So keep being a badass and love yourself as much as you love shouting the merits of romance novels to the rooftops. Bye. Hey, you. Yes, listener, you. Are you loving the show? If so, please leave a rating and review in your podcast app. The 90 seconds you take to say something nice not only helps new people find the show, but it makes me super smile over at HBHQ. Also, I've had a few people ask, and the answer is yes. We are still doing the five-star bribe. If you leave us a review with five stars... Then we'll do whatever book you want. We're real, real deep into the list, though, so it might be a while. Ah, Lilas! Okay, back to the show.